Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Andrew, I've got a question for you. What sort of question is it? How does a bastard orphan son of a whore and a Scotsman go on to be a patron supporter? Andrew, tell us a little bit about Patreon and I'm who's not, supporting us on Patreon. I'm not rapping it. Do it. I'm not gonna rap it. All right, you just do it normal. Then. You know, you it. see, you see me right now. <laughs> I can't rap. So Patreon is. <laughs> Where people can go if they'd like to give us a bit of money to support our show that we now have a hundred episodes of. Oh my god! Oh my god! You can get access to, um, some extra, like, commentaries, a bonus podcast of, you know... There'll be updates! (laughs) There'll be updates, there's gonna be something new up there. Um, lots of cool stuff, honestly. There's other perks as well, like, you can tell us what to, what to review... Or oh yeah! Watch. Not we don't do reviews here, but you can tell us what to watch. Yeah, we are not <laughs> critics. We have no official guidelines. We have nothing, no credentials. But who's supporting us, Andrew? Our supporters right now are Terry Needleman, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lear, Lily Ackles, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, the Fantastic Just Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Taskier, Fire of September, Mina Maniri, Monica Thoreau. Brent Black, Haley Murray, Alice in Wonderland, B-Way Flex, Nathaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Luna Rocks 222, Irigail Drouet Whiter, Carrie Hearn, Christine Malmadel, Mary Lou Choquette, Anne Nunnally, Cole Birchfield, John Vanals, Holy Stickality, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Grace, Andrew Van Barson, Emily Stack, Kyle Summers, Jessica A, Mr. B, Janae C, Kyle, Christine Francis, Skyler, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Stil- Stillier, or Stuller. Is that an I or an L? I, That's an I, it, E-R. S-T-U-L-L-E-R. All right. Allison Stuller, Rachel Rose Velez, nothing is certain except Beth and Taxes, which I, is maybe appropriate for this? Uh, he doesn't appear. Oh, does yeah. No. Elizabeth Lovingood. They give us a little extra support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks, such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early or even early, or even just, like, to get us to talk about whatever show you want. Like, a lot of people have done that lot lately, and they've We will talk about any garbage. We don't even, like... You could just send us a, a file of a musical you wrote yourself, and we will talk about it. Yeah, that's how Adam got on. But either yeah. way, um, there's also <laughs> going to be a brand new podcast up there soon. Because, um, yeah, Glee's, Glee's not funny anymore. Um, all right, guys, let's get on to the show. Glee is a dead meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not the only thing dead about Glee. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. How are you doing today, Andrew? Freedom. Liberty. Ending slavery. Um, uh, being free all the time. No kings. That, uh, what, what else? I, I can't. Owning like, slaves! Uh, owning slaves! Not caring about slaves. Let's just getting not show talk about ab- that. Getting a show written about you where you are shown as caring about slaves even when you own slaves. Um, Hamilton. Ha- Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> 
with him. Me, I died for him. Me, I trusted him. Me, I loved him. And me, I'm the damn fool that shot him. There's a So we're, we've made it to 100 episodes, and I know that this seems like we're not doing this with much fanfare. It just happened that Hamilton was going to release right around the time we hit 100. <laughs> we did it, guys. Uh, they said trumpets. A <laughs> hundred weeks in a row, we've talked about musicals. Isn't that incredible, Andrew? And in, in not one of those musicals was Hamilton until now. Yes, yes. We have avoided talking about Hamilton for 100 episodes. Think about it like that. We've actually only mentioned Hamilton, like, twice, I think. Yes, and one of them was in our very first recording session ever for the tw- Tony's um, uh, 2017, I believe. Yes, and if you go back and watch that, and I quote, I think I hate this. <laughs> Andrew's initial reaction. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about Hamilton. Hamilton, an American musical, simply known as Hamilton, is a musical with music and lyrics and book by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It tells the story of American founding father Alexander Hamilton, inspired by the 2004 biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. The show draws heavily from hip-hop as well as R&B, pop, soul, and traditional style show tunes, and it casts non-white actors as the founding fathers and other historical figures. Miranda described Hamilton as about... America Then, told by America Now. From its opening, Hamilton received critical acclaim. It premiered off-Broadway on February 17, 2015, at the Public Theater, where it was, where its several-month engagement was sold out. It won eight Drama Desk Awards, including Outstanding Musical. It then transferred to the Richard Rogers Theater on Broadway, opening on August 6, 2015, where it received uniformly positive reviews and high box office sales. At the 2016 Tony Awards, Hamilton received a record 16 nominations and won 11 awards, including Best Musical. It received the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Andrew, you have not seen Hamilton before this, and you finally, when it got thrown onto Disney+, Plus, you finally got to experience Hamilton. Let's talk about your life before that. What did you think Hamilton was before you actually sat down and oh, watched wow. it? Um, I thought it was... Uh, a musical that got really popular because it had hip-hop in it and that hadn't been done really before and everyone likes hip-hop. Well, that's not really true. Lin-Manuel Miranda also used hip-hop for his previous musical, In the Heights, which also did very well and was supposed to have a movie come out this month, but that didn't happen. I'm not talking about what really happened. I'm talking about what I thought happened. Oh. Because that's the question you asked me. You're right, you're right. Okay, so that was my answer. What what else you got? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they're like well what did you think your opinion would be because very early on in this show's existence i've showed you clips from hamilton and you said you hated it and you didn't like the way it felt and that was the end word on that for a good while and i intentionally put a barrier around hamilton for this show because i feel like there's not much to say about this show that hasn't already been said there's no new takes to have even if you're a newbie coming into it well, I've changed my mind. I don't hate it. It's fine. I like it all right. <laughs> I am not a big fan of hip hop or rap, and that's just a personal preference of mine. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Ben Shapiro us with with rap is not real music. That's that's garbage. Uh, 
rap Drew is Carey music. also shares that belief, which is really odd. yeah, really okay. Well, rap is music, uh, but being music doesn't mean I have to like it. It, right. it is music, and I will accept that other people can like it, but personally, I do not. <laughs> um, now, now, why don't you like it? Because I don't. Hip hop is not my go-to music. I don't know if that's a shock to anyone out there, but it's not really my go-to style of music. The closest I, thing I like is like Beyonce's Lemonade. So, what do you dislike about it? Because I can't even put it into words either. I'm very much about orchestrations and instruments over lyrics. Um, if if you guys haven't noticed, I have never once commented on a particular lyric from a song in our entire hundred episodes of this show uh, because I don't pay attention to the lyrics nearly as much as I pay attention to the music. Um, and rap is kind of lopsided heavily to lyrics and very minimally to orchestration in most cases. I will say in this show there are quite a few songs that do have great orchestrations, uh, which is why I have changed my mind and don't hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's a fair response, and I tend to lean towards lyrical influence too. Um, and... I feel like everyone knows, like, generally, like, the show is good. It's hard to, like, come at this with, like, well, it's actually bad because... Because, no, it's... I think you can come at it from an angle of the politics behind it might be bad, but I don't think you can say it's a bad musical because the songs are generally good and the lyrics are very good, so... <laughs> I mean, let's compare this to the other historical musicals we've covered in our 100 episodes. Sure. I feel like that's a good jumping-off point because... This is obviously very much inspired by things like Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, Assassins, um, even a little bit of, by Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, even though they're pretty much contemporaries with one another. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say, in a way, this is almost most similar to Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, because it's kind of like, let's pick a wacky music style that really has nothing to do with this his, these historical figures and then just kind of go with it. <laughs> with, Which with show do you think does it better? I think this show, musically and lyrically and story-wise, is better, um, but uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, I think I actually like the politics behind it a little better. Well, um, Bloody Bloody actually has a statement on politics, whereas this yeah, is basically a this narrative. Is, this is basically a narrative, and it's almost hero worship, which, generally speaking, for historical figures who are real people, hero worship is kind of a bad take. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the opposite opinion you had of Evita. That is not true. Uh, or the opposite issue you had with Evita. More what I'm My issue with Evita is it's the opposite of hero worship, and it's basically creating a villain. Um, and I think either one of those, they're both equally bad. Um, whereas Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson doesn't create a villain out of Jackson. It just shows like, hey, this guy did some really bad stuff. <laughs> But this doesn't hide Hamilton's bad stuff. The hero worship you're referring to specifically refers to George Washington. Well, Washington, yes. Very much Washington. They don't show any of the bad stuff Washington did, at least in the version I watched. At uh, the very end, they have a little nod to it. Um, a great performance choice by uh, Chris Jackson, where um, Eliza says, I stand out for the Washington, save money for the Washington Monument, and then the follow-up line is, I stand up against slavery, and then he gives like a, you did what? Faster? <laughs> yeah. And that is the closest that this gets. Yeah, which, honestly, most um, most people watching probably wouldn't even catch it. <laughs> <laughs> right, it depends on where your eye is. Um, whereas they do stand up several times and have 
several different characters say that they're standing up against slavery, which is kind of wasn't true in most cases. I mean, they had one character really do it, um, which was John Lawrence in Act 1, and he literally gets murdered for it. Yeah, but they also have Hamilton do it as well, which definitely is not true. I mean, yeah. He may have been abolitionist, like, but he wasn't standing for that. That was something... He might have been vocal about abolitionism with practicing owning slaves. Yeah, which they never mention. Um, yeah. The Skylers had, like, like a lot of slaves. Yeah, they and they never mention that at all. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't want to... It's hard not to talk about that because I feel like in the times we're living in, it's hard to not mention that these things are something that probably should have been brought up. Especially with the whole concept of tearing down statues and and uh, not worshiping historical figures and and that sort of thing mm-hmm. in the cultural uh, mind zeitgeist. zeitgeist right now, like how do you watch Hamilton and not mention the fact that hey, this is kind of just another statue? <laughs> yes, but I also you kind of have it's the same way you have to take something like that came out in the seventies and see it in that frame. But this didn't come out in the twenty fifteen was a long time ago. I know in the grand scheme of things it wasn't, but our entire mindset as human beings in America was categorically different in twenty fifteen. Yeah, but when did they release this on Disney Plus? Uh technically they were supposed to do it last next year. <laughs> Okay, well, they did do it about, you know, a month ago. Yeah. So... I I get what you're trying to say. (laughs) I understand what you're trying to say, but they filmed it in 2015. I'm sure even if they had just recorded the pro shot last year, there'd be a lot of choices made by actors that would be very... That would ring a lot truer today and not feel as weird. Yeah. Um, Positives, though. I really like how the story is done and how they... I like the fact that they do, like three different duels, each one building up to the final moment, essentially. I think that that's neat. Did you notice the duel theme reincorporated throughout the story? Or throughout, like, all right, so where do you see it? I'm I'm very curious. Well, obviously with each of the duels, but I feel like I, and I could be wrong, but I think I heard it whenever Burr was around, but maybe not. Burr has his own theme that has the duel music in it, but one of the most impressive ones is, um, his son, um, I uh Philip I believe his name is Philip Hamilton. Um, yeah. So when he and his wife are playing, or he and his mom are playing piano, the undo trois quatre cinq six sept huit neuf that one that is yeah. literally one two three four five six seven eight nine from the duel. Literally setting yeah, up yeah. that he will be killed in the duel and like all that. Anytime you hear him, like literally Philip's Philip, yeah, his name is like literal. Anytime he's on stage, you hear that as the background, like. When he comes on talking about how he's grown up and he's like his dad, you literally just hear that in the background. It's like, that's all you are. Yep. You're the guy that gets killed in the duel. But so is Hamilton. So yeah. to be fair. Mm-hmm. They, first time they show you how to work. Second time they break your heart. Third time they don't have to go over it. You get what's going on. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people think that the ending is incredibly sad. I'm wondering why they think that. Because the duel just feels so pointless. Like, Hamilton, why did you do that? <laughs> All right, there's some <laughs> there's some wacky stuff, and I I think the ending is sad, but not because of the duel. I think the duel works as a narrative thing, and it's it's not an ineffective scene. And I think it's brilliant how like for the first time in the entire show we have silence because literally it's just noise, 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 noise throughout it. 
Yeah. And the character of the bullet, the kind of Grim Reaper character who always represents death in some way, like... Oh, throughout it, I love that she actually plays the bullet at the end. Um, that's a, a brilliant staging choice by the choreographer um, and director Tommy Kale. Um, I think all these are very good choices that make that moment work a lot better. But the thing that gets me isn't really even his death or the fact that, oh no, a character died. It's more Eliza having to pick up the pieces and use using all that and like the impact and all that. Well, if that's the sad part, then, I mean, really, she's been having to deal with that for half of the second act. I mean, she had a really rough, <laughs> she had a rough go for it in act two. Hamilton dies in a pointless duel with one of his political rivals. And former friend. Like, even in reality, Aaron Burr would refer to it, Alexander, my good friend that I shot. Like, yeah. that, he said that in real life. Yeah, which is like, okay. <laughs> It, it it's crazy. Although, did he actually aim his gun into the air? Because I'm pretty sure in real life he didn't do that. Yes, and he so far has wrote a manifesto about how he was going to do that <laughs> before he went and did it. So did that he, really? he okay. yes, okay. Like I think duels what are bad, dummy. and if and if I do die today, it's I shot in the air. I plan what to, a, and this is what I'm going to do. What a dummy! I'm <laughs> like what an actual idiot. I you mean, realize that the whole point of the duel is he's going to shoot you. <laughs> Maybe don't show up. <laughs> Most disputes die and no one shoots. Okay, yeah, but when he said, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot you. Maybe just go, like, -uh. yeah. Well, so if you're not actually going to shoot him, obviously you don't think the issue is strong enough that it's worth shooting someone over. So maybe just concede. <laughs> well, that doesn't... That's just not in Alexander Hamilton's character, which is set up very well throughout it. And the thematic sh ties between them and how Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton switch spots by, at, by the end. And did you pick up on that at all? Uh, switching spots? No, I just thought that they stood for... Hamilton stood for everything and Burr stood for nothing. Kind and of. That was, that was that. So we have Hamilton's main song, which basically represents his belief system and how everything that his character is going to go on from this point forward, which is my shot, where he's... Any chance he gets, he's going to take it and go ahead and do it, do, do, do. I'm, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm going to do this. So he switches spots by throwing away his shot at the end? Is that what you're saying? Well, let me get to it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> then Aaron Burr has his, like, theme song that's like, this is why I do everything I do, and this is why all the choices that you might think irrational are this, um, which is Wait For It, which is one of the best songs in the show. And he sets up, like, I'm going to wait and figure things out because I want to think about things before I just do it. Like, I will take my time and do all this. And in the moment... I, I thought Wait For It was more about, I'm going to wait to see how everyone else thinks about this, and then I'm going to agree with them. Basically, but it's also like, <laughs> I don't want to die, is basically what Wait For It is. And I don't want to make the wrong move. Yeah. Yes. So it's basically, I'm waiting for everyone else to tell me what the right move is, and then I'm going to do that. More or less. But, <laughs> like, Burr is very much like, wait and see, and Hamilton is like, irrational, jump into the wind. Nonstop. I, don't, I wouldn't call Hamilton an irrational actor, though. He's rational. He has very core principles, and he's just willing to stand by those no matter what. Yes, that's and what, sometimes that's That is that's a annoying. rational actor. Sometimes. If anything, Burr is the irrational actor because he doesn't have actual principles or stand for anything, but yet he's still directly involved in politics. It's like, dude, what are you standing for? You're just standing for whatever other people believe in? Like, what? <laughs> 
That's the modern Republican Party. But let's get That's on. That's the to- modern everybody party. Like everyone yeah. is an Aaron Burr now. <laughs> but in the final moment, Burr is irrational and just shoots angrily because he doesn't think. And Alexander takes a moment to think about why he's doing this, whether this is the right choice and whether what he's leaving behind and all that. He considers and he makes the choice instead of just diving into the wind. So by the time they reach that moment where they're both pointing guns at each other, um, Aaron Burr doesn't throw away his shot and Alexander waits for it. (laughs) I guess. If you really read into it. I don't know. I'm not sure I buy that reading. Um, That comes directly from the composer, so I'm willing to buy that one. Okay, well, authorial intent and and what's actually in the story are two different things. I agree. (laughs) I don't know. I see that there. Like, because... If anything, Burr is just following the the way of his party because the entire second act is him uh, prancing around with uh, with Jefferson and, and Madison, uh, constantly harassing Hamilton, and then at the end he shoots Hamilton. Okay, that's I mean that all leads together. Well, he also pisses off <laughs> Jefferson and all that by openly campaigning. There's a lot of. I mean, he does, but I mean, yeah, it do- it doesn't really. It doesn't really follow that he's now he's the one who has strong principles and takes a stand. No, he just shoots his political opponent. That's totally in his character the whole time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you talked a little bit about the framing of George Washington. Sure. Yes. And I want to go into how George Washington is his traditional uh, character of person with literally no personality who just is the best because that's uh. That's Washington, as Americans know him. I mean, this has a little bit of an interesting framing on where he starts in the show. He does become like, but we I don't think we've ever seen like a real intense production of Washington where people are against him and people have things to say against him and he's losing the war and retreating all the time. Like, you don't see that very often shown. And I know that's not much, but I I appreciate that we're seeing that kind of. Yeah, I mean, I guess at least we don't have the shot of like him on the on the boat leading the charge across the Delaware or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh he lost a lot and really and they do mention this, but really France and probably a lot of other countries in Europe won the American Revolution, not the Americans. <laughs> The Americans just kind of didn't die long enough that they won. Well, he re- they <laughs> retreated long enough, which was, in the end, a very good tactical move. Yeah, it was a good tactical move only because so many other countries hated England. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I want to talk about authorial framing and how people are framed. So sure. the show is written from the point of view of Alexander Hamilton, not from an omniscient point of view, if that makes sense. Like, everything we see is either through the eyes of Alexander Hamilton himself or Aaron Burr himself, um, depending on which scenes we're talking about. I feel and, like there's some about, <laughs> some about Jefferson as well. Uh, I, I don't know. Not particularly. Um, but Alexander Hamilton would, of course, see his daddy figure as this perfect god. I suppose. And but I think it's, that... it's in a cultural perspective, though, it's a little it doesn't. It doesn't read that way because like, yes, Hamilton might see him that way, but so does everyone in modern day America. So it's almost like we're just seeing Washington. <laughs> yes. And I think that comes to head a little bit more when you have a character that I like and a song that's probably one of my favorites, but a lot of people have critiques with um, uh, Mariah Reynolds in her say no to this section where she literally just exists as slutty ho-ho that breaks in and convinces him to 
cheat on his wife with their horrible temptress powers. Yeah, which is, like, definitely not how that went down. Uh, no, but of course, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton framing this for himself would make him as victimized as possible. I think if you want to do a story where you have a unreliable narrator or something like that, you need to make it very clear that that's what it is. Um, and I don't think that this does a good enough job to do that. It does sometimes is the thing. Sometimes like the room where it happens, I think is the perfect unreliable narrator. Take like someone in a tree. Like it is that kind of stuff. And I love that specifically. And yeah. other times, yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of parts of this where it feels like there's an objective narrator. Because, like, we see things that Hamilton doesn't see. And we see things from other characters' points of view. And so you kind of get the idea that, no, this isn't Hamilton telling the story. This is an objective narrator. So, because, mm -hmm. I mean, there's parts of the story where Hamilton just isn't even there. And, and like, is that from his point of view still? I guess it could be. But as the audience, I don't really feel that. <laughs> Which is fair. I think a lot of where you see some of that disconnect, but I also think could be a connection, is like the King George stuff. Like, yeah, he doesn't literally see King George, but it's not ridiculous to think that Hamilton would see King George as this, like, maniacal I'm buffoon. not necessarily thinking of the King George stuff, though, because I, I can see that as being from his perspective, of him just thinking of... King George is like, oh, I just hate freedom and liberty and all these, all these people that are crazy and, and that all that country. stuff. Yeah, like I could see him thinking that, but like the stuff where like Jefferson and, and Madison are, are talking behind his back and are being kind of rational and, and not really being like crazy. It's like, is this Hamilton's perspective or is this objective? Can I say <laughs> that maybe it jumps to Burr's perspective because he's actually there. He's not always there. There are some parts where it is just Jefferson and Madison scheming. Is it just like one scene? Like I think, I think it's one only or two. one. There's one or two. Because the but other it, one, that's all it really. For. That's all it really takes, though, to break the break the idea of this is from Hamilton's perspective. Is one or two scenes where it's not. <laughs> I guess I, I I think what you're saying is um, Hamilton is garbage. <laughs> what I'm saying is Hamilton is complete trash. <laughs> no, I think what I'm still saying is that. Uh, historically, this is a little risky <laughs> it, to put it, out in these days. I mean, yes, but in 2015, it was perfection to be putting out there. Yeah. I think, we... uh, I think it's fun that they made all of the actors uh, black. I think that's cool. I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, I, I think it works beautifully, and I, and I just like their voices and how they meld together. And I, and... I also think... I'm just going to say it. Uh, the king should have been black, too. Uh, only because yep. I think I'm going to argue this for one point really quick. Sure. All right. So let's talk about musical stylings. I, we're not talking about the songs yet. I'm talking specifically about musical stylings and how. It Are you trying to, tell, to tell me that you think black people can only sing rap? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you of how it's being used to tell story right here. OK, sure, sure. What do you got? All right. So. We're going to talk about how it transforms and represents different parts of the world and all that. So when we introduce Hamilton's like buddies early on, they're like singing yeah. like the really old timey. I'm John Lawrence in the place to be to like really basic raps that we all kind of did on the playground because yeah, I used to do it's, that. It's the it's the 80s style rap. Yeah. And then Hamilton comes in. And he's like, I'm not throwing away my shot and like talking like a thousand miles a minute. And they're just like, oh, shit. And musically, that is being told that all these people are up 
upgrading and becoming better and better until the final point when we see um Lafayette where he's like I'm taking these horse by the reins talking like a million miles a second showing that they've updated and changed their musical styles to be on more than just uh, we we Lafayette like that is a development there so they're they're no longer just singing hip hop a hippity hop yeah they, so we don't stop <laughs> they they've moved on beyond like the early 80s style of rap and then um we have the king who is yeah. representing the old version of populist music, which is like the Beatles and the Monkees and the early 60s style music, and which was really dominated by the British invasion, so to say. So they really wanted to get that feel. So I think a white person singing that really is an effective way to represent the quote-unquote British invasion that came in before the hip-hop invasion of music. Yeah, but they should have done Iron Maiden. <laughs> New wave of British heavy metal, baby. <laughs> and just to conclude before we stop talking about musical stylings, it is accented even more when Thomas Jefferson is gone from like all this updated stuff where they're all singing hip hop and like going rapping a million miles a minute. And he's like singing like this jazzy upbeat, like, what did I miss? He literally missed the development of the rudiments of this nation, which is quote unquote hip hop. Yeah, except for What I'd Miss is, like, the best song in the whole thing. I love What Did I Miss. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that is why I think it's very important that the music is represented by the cultures that it's represented. So I think the king being white is very effective with that. Yeah, but, um... And literally, like, when you here's have... one thing to consider. Yes. Uh, the Beatles stole that style of music from black people, so... Oh, 100%, but they... <laughs> the English stole that country. <laughs> yeah, but the king could still be black. Um, I, another scene that I think is really underrated, um, is the farmer refuted scene where it's like, you've got this guy singing like this classical, like he, not the rebel who screamed revolution and Hamilton's literally rapping around him. Yeah. Except for classical music. It's not saying the classical music is bad. This uses classical <laughs> music quite a bit in it. I'm, I'm just joking around. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't know. It's cool. I'm just saying, I'm just saying we could have more black people. <laughs> what do you just want not want to give rules to black people jess yeah that's all i'm saying like you really just you just don't want to let them play the king that's whatever no i have to get my plan through congress in Schuylerville, New York. <laughs> you too. Like, I live in, I literally walk to the Schuyler house like twice a week. Like, come on. <laughs> literally, Andrew walks like, it lives like four steps away from the place they were going upstate to like rest um, where they were going to yeah. take a break. When they were telling him, let's go upstate, I live there. I live like not like near there, like actually there. So How big is the I, house? It's very small. There's actually really? two houses. There's actually two houses, and I'm pretty sure one of them is slave quarters. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> they're right next to each other. There's like one house, and then like diagonally attached to it is like a smaller house. Um, so yeah, is it on a lake? And it's on a no. Actually, when they say they they wanted to go to a lake, I was trying to figure out what the fuck lake they could possibly <laughs> be going to because 
The nearest lake is Saratoga Lake, which is probably like walking like two days. <laughs> I'm wondering how many kids Hamilton would have had at that point, because uh, by the end of it, he had like eight kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, if he just like fuck that shit in that tiny ass little house. I am fucking with that nonsense. Actually, I know exactly what he was thinking. I can have sex with this other person. I can have While sex with this gone. woman, yeah. While you're gone, that'll be sick. I mean, it's the next best thing to your sister. Yeah. I, I want to know your opinion on that romantic subplot. Like, I the think love the sister triangle. thing is, is weird, and I don't like it. And I think it would have been better if they cut it. Explain to me why. Because <laughs> a lot of people love that entire subplot, and I have thoughts, but I want to know yours first. Okay. Um, well, one, it's pretty much irrelevant to the actual story uh two already have a different love triangle because there's an actual person that he literally it becomes a love square with. yeah and then three what like why are we doing sister stuff here and and why can't we just allow them to have a son come on <laughs> i can make Damn. your mom and aunt kiss <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I think it's weird, and, and I didn't. I just didn't feel the connection, though. But it comes from history in a way. There was, like, le steamy penthouse letter-writing kind of stuff between him and um, Angelica. And I think it would have made a lot more sense when, in previous rewrites, Angelica went on to fuck Thomas Jefferson, which there's also some hints that happened. I'm into it. I'm into that. We could have done that. Honestly, I wanted more screen time for Jefferson. I don't even like Jefferson as a historical figure, but the actor who was playing Jefferson in this was so crazy and great. Like, Wouldn't he be an ooh. amazing Harold Hill? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The way he, like, bounces around and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so much fun. Like, he's just great to watch. Uh, the part where, like, him hit the chemistry between him and Madison is like, why is the show not about this? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk um, <laughs> about that entire relationship? It's fantastic! It's the best part of the show, in my opinion. <laughs> Please explain your thoughts. Please elaborate. Okay, literally just the framing of the one scene where, like, him, uh, T Jefferson and Hamilton just got through their first rap battle, uh, and, and Madison is, like, standing in front of Jefferson, at, facing Hamilton, and Jefferson is, like, bouncing up and down behind him, like, ooh, ooh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, come on, that's the greatest! <laughs> like it's like this is like perfect absolutely um, perfect let's talk about okriite anadolan i hope i'm pronouncing that right i'm a terrible person if i'm not who plays madison and hercules mulligan he might be the secret weapon for like the entire tire show in my honest opinion and i say that because hercules mulligan and james madison are two wholly different performances they are two very very different choices and he does them both so beautifully. I feel like Madison's not that tough of a character to play, though, because he's very, he's very much, like, stiff. And intentionally so. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I, I feel like that one's probably not that hard to perform. Whereas Hercules is a bit more of an over-the-top character, so. Well, it's not even the difficulty to perform. It's the way that he makes them both work and feel natural. Yeah, no, he does a great job. and It's definitely probably hard to play two opposite characters, almost. Yeah, like, as much as I love David Diggs and he does amazing as both Jefferson and Lafayette, they're very similar-ish characters, like, both very bouncy, like, energetic, like, fast-talking characters, like... Yeah, and they both absolutely run circles around Lin-Manuel. Uh <laughs> oh, can we, can we talk about Lin-Manuel? 
Okay. Ah, you see, when you're in a show surrounded by like the best of the best performers Broadway has ever seen, (laughs) then you've got just an okay guy who's around them the entire time. Okay, was he better in this or Mary Poppins 2? I think Mary Poppins 2 is a little better. Really? Okay, yeah, I I might even agree. (laughs) (laughs) Because there isn't the pressure of performing your own work there. And also, as he said, he was... Like, he just had a new baby, this is, like, reaching the end of his tenure in the role, and he was writing the songs for Moana at the time, like, there was a lot of stuff he was doing at that moment, and he's like, I can just see the sagging under my eyes, and, like, how tired I was. So he's not at his tip-top shape, because he's doing, like, once again, non-stop, stretching himself too thin, and he's not the best actor, and he never really has been. (laughs) Yeah, I, it's honestly it's just surprising to me that he didn't just get somebody else to play Hamilton from the start. Well, he wrote Burr for himself, but then he real then he changed it to Hamilton. He's a great rapper. Let's say that for first. Let's be a little positive to him. He's great at rapping. He's very yeah. effective with that. Singing, not so much. When it comes to the harmonies, he's he's the one that's really struggling there. Per acting, like. He's great for a theater actor. He's very big in his movements. He does, like, these broad, gestured things. Yeah, but then you watch it on Disney+, and they do close-ups on his face. Yeah. (laughs) And everyone else is acting for a camera. He's still acting for the back row. Yeah. Like, everyone else seems to be aware, yeah, they're very close to me, so I'm gonna try to make this a very subtle reaction. Everyone else is spitting at every word, and and he's just not doing it. (laughs) You mean Jonathan Groff is the king? I love that they closed up on that. Like, come on. That had to have been an intentional choice by him. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely brilliant and disgusting. Oh, my God. (laughs) It it just shows, like, the villainy of it. Yeah. My God. Uh, There's so much to talk about with Hamilton is the thing. Like, but a lot of this stuff has been talked to death. I just, in the same way as Hamilton, the idea of the show, and George Washington within the show as Hamilton... Lin-Manuel Miranda is getting a lot of, like, worship, so to say. Yeah, well, I mean, we have a history of celebrity worship. Mm-hmm. And then they always let you down. They just will. Sorry, guys, no matter what, don't worship us. We're going to let you down. We're humans. We're going to mess up. I've already let you down. Several times. In this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I let you down every day once a week. Yeah, I let myself down quite often. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to say about Burr? Like, the w- way Leslie Odom Jr. performed as him and all that? Burr is fine. Uh, I think Hamilton's a more interesting character. But he also gets more of the focus, so fine. But I think Burr, like, they kind of parallel each other in very specific ways. And, like, having a very jealous narrator of this story about this guy that kind of rose up from the bottom is interesting. And I don't think I can see it very often, aside from maybe Othello. Like, that's the first thing that pops into my head. Yeah. But that is like a very interesting way to play it. And the fact that he's never outwardly rude or mean to Hamilton, he's still like very much playing the p- political game every time he's talking to him. He shows up to Hamilton's wedding, even when he takes like his father-in-law's seat, he's like, I don't see why we can't be friends anymore. Yeah. They they make him out to be probably more pathetic in this than he likely actually was in life. Um, so. There used to be some a- additional material in this um, where he had his wife, Theodosia, and his daughter, Theodosia. And his wife dies right around the time that Philip dies. Like, you hear that Philip dies. 
Then George Washington dies, then Theodosia dies, and he's left to raise his daughter all by himself, which makes the duel, this man won't make an orphan of my daughter, mean so much more. I, yeah. And as bad as I, and I know a lot of people think this show is long as is, I don't think I would have minded it being a solid three hours. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded it, but I feel like they could have added some of that stuff in and then cut some of the other stuff. What would you have cut? Most of the stuff with his uh, his wife's sister. But if you kept in, like, the Thomas Jefferson side of that, where she and her had a relationship and Thomas Jefferson would pull that out into base to fuck with him, because that also Ooh, happened. Baby. Well, then that would be worth it. Because anything with Thomas... Anything to give him more screen time. And speaking <laughs> of cut things that address elephants in rooms, so to say, there was a third cabinet battle, literally just about repealing slavery. Um, where Hamilton pisses off both George Washington, James Madison, and Thomas Jefferson, and Hamilton loses in the eyes of George Washington, and he's like, um, not for us to decide, um, they'll decide, I'll let our future people decide it, because <laughs> we like slaves right now. All the Virginians like the slaves, how shocking. <laughs> I'm from Virginia, now shut your mouth! <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, uh, I feel like that's okay to cut my opinion because there's almost there's already too many references to slavery in this <laughs> i i get it and also that feels like like hey not everyone was bad we we tried oh yeah we tried we just didn't try very hard <laughs> we just didn't succeed but we tried really really hard guys seriously hamilton really wanted the slaves to be free except for the ones that he owned mm-hmm. he didn't feel he didn't feel fit to <laughs> um <laughs> part with pride I am known in the world and the world is wide to my children my sins may be magnified but I do it all again no hesitation Can I talk a little bit about the cut song that I miss and wish was... It doesn't belong in the show, but it's still, like, my favorite thing to come out of Hamilton. Sure. It is called Ben Franklin's Song. Um, literally, oh, there he is. <laughs> I've sent this to you before, and you didn't love it, but I love this song so much. It's this foul-mouthed, like, song by Ben Franklin, who would only show up for this one song. And basically, he's like... Yeah, I did electricity. Fuck y'all. And uh, I'm the only one the French want to talk to, so fuck y'all. And literally the chorus is, do you know who the fuck I am? Do you know who the fuck I am? <laughs> that is the chorus to the Ben Franklin song. It I would think not... I might know why they cut it. It is not fit with the story, but it is probably my favorite song. Yeah, I could see that. It sounds funny. It is hilarious. But I don't know if it would top what I miss. Nope. And you know what? Let's let's lead, let the Ben Franklin song lead us into our mid-show announcement. Sure. We're now M-rated. Ooh. Rated R. Arg. 
Rated R for pirates. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt you in the middle of the show, but we got a show at you. Today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Our current patrons are Terry Needleman, Max Lunick, Benjamin Lehrer, Lily Ackles, John Donna, Taryn the Duck, The Fantastic, Jess Lightning, Ewan Cassidy, Haley McDonald, Taskier, Fire of September, Mina Maniri, Monica Thoreau, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Alice in Wonderland, B-Way Flicks, Nathaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans Green, Lunarox 222, Irigail Jouet Whiter, Carrie Ahern, Christine Malmadel, Mary Lou Choquette, Anne Nunnally, Cole Birchfield, John Vanells, Holly Stistically, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Grace, Andrew ba- Andrew Van Barson, Emily Stack, Kyle Summers, Jessica A, Mr. B, Janae C, Kyle, Christina Francis, Skyler, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Stuller, Rachel Rose Velez, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, and Elizabeth Lovingood. They give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day early, or even earlier, come join them over at Patreon. Alright, Andrew, are you ready to get back to the show? Let's get back to the show. This Saturday, August 1st, I'm extending my invitation to you for an incredibly thankful afternoon. At 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, rock and roll horn band Thanks will be performing a two-hour live stream. You can find it up on Facebook.com slash CoverBandTV or Twitch.tv slash CoverBandTV. That's Saturday, August 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for two hours of live music on Facebook.com slash CoverBandTV and Twitch.tv slash CoverBandTV. I hope to hear from you there and stay thankful. My name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you wait When he was ten, his father split full of it Debt ridden two years later See Alex and his mother bedridden half dead Sitting in their own sick, the scent thick And Alex got better, but his mother went quick What do you think of the opening number? Like, this has become iconic even outside the show, but I'm always very curious what you think of the openings of this. Um, the opening number for this, I think, sets the tone pretty well. Um, and I like that, and I like that it's also followed up with um, a song about Aaron Burr. So I think it's kind of like a double, double feature kind of thing. And I also love that they get right into it. No, like, weird prelude, and there's no, uh, there's no, there's no, nothing of that nature. We just go right into it. Here's Hamilton, he meets Burr. Let's go. Well, it's more... I'm talking more the attend the tale of Sweeney Todd Alexander Hamilton-like thing. Oh, that's what you're talking... Oh, I mean, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Where everyone is like, I fought with him. Me, I died for him. Me, I loved him. That type of stuff. Where you set up everything. You spoil the entire show. Like, give a little preview for it. They could have cut that. I disagree. I think it's brilliant and tells you everything you need to know. Like, I'm the damn fool who shot him. Sure. God, you didn't like it? No, that's whatever. Why? Uh, you don't need to spoil stories. I, I feel like this is history. It's kind of like a Vita when you're like, oh yeah, she dies. Yeah, yeah, it's history, but I mean, it's not like they're being accurate in every place, so it's like, whatever. Yes, but I feel telling. like 
the dramatic irony of it where the audience knows something that the people in the show don't know and like you can notice all the themes and pick up like pick up on the foreshadowing of it yeah but that's what that's what a second viewing is for you can't do that when you're at a broadway show not every show gets recorded like this yeah well this show did i can watch it again today if i want do you probably not (laughs) all right um we get hades town on on disney plus please wouldn't that be amazing that'd be so great i fucking (laughs) love that show (laughs) all right now that we're like deep into this hades town versus hamilton which is better hades town is better really yes absolutely 100 why just better it's way more fun <laughs> it has a, an equally sad ending though okay so yeah fair <laughs> you make a good point there honestly i think it has a more sad ending but whatever <laughs> i am not throwing away my shot i am not throwing away my shot hey yo i'm just like my country i'm no scrappy and hungry and i'm not throwing away my shot this one's catchy as fuck <laughs> yeah i'll give you that it's catchy oh but can- i'm not giving away my shot i love it <laughs> and they bring it back all the time it's great this one's great <laughs> was this the moment what what was the moment when you realized oh this is gonna be better than i thought it was uh probably the second song Okay. Okay. Well, no, now why? Because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm open to it. Let's go. All right. But my shot is really good because it gives us like all of Hamilton's history, like all of his goals and all that he stands for in like a brief period, as well as introducing him to all these friends of his. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And, and honestly, it's... I think it's the most interesting historical part of it as well, because you're, these are figures that aren't necessarily always talked about. Um, yes, Lafayette, Hercules Mulligan, and John Lawrence, I agree. Yeah, so it's a lot more interesting than when we get brought up, brought this Washington character who's just like a whitewash Washington. Uh, ironically, he's whitewash. <laughs> I love how goofy his friends are, too. Like, they're ridiculous, like, drunk. They're people you'd hang out with in college. It's great. I like it. And it reminds me a little bit of, uh, of like, like Les Mis as well, with them hanging out in a bar or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, Les Misisms in this show just because of its historical context and modernish music. Yeah, and I just want one of those little puffy things, one of those coats. I, I just want one. You know, you make a good point there. doesn't hesitate he exhibits no restraint takes and he takes and he takes and he keeps winning anyway changes the game plays and he raises the stakes and if there's a reason he seems to thrive and so few survived and goddammit i'm willing to wait for it i'm willing to wait for it all right let's talk about wait for it 
wait for it is that this one was actually really good i fucking love this song dude this song is absolutely jaw-dropping and i was like Adams jr's performance i was is great curious as to why aaron burr gets a better song for his point of view than hamilton you think this is better than my shot you were just coming all over my shot five seconds ago well, yeah my shot is catchier but this song is better well this is actually a song so to say like i wouldn't even call this this is pretty close to a musical theater ballad like more than hip-hop yeah might have been why i liked it i think that might be why i liked it so much too but it is really good uh and this was this was like my favorite song for a while until until what i'd miss <laughs> which is just the best song in the show, and there's no arguing it. I will not take any other answer. But <laughs> I'm going to disagree, but I don't... It's not a hard disagree. Because <laughs> I got two others above Wait For It, and then what I miss is right under Wait For It. Okay, so um, what's next here? Wait For It is fantastic. Wait For It is incredible. Leslie Odom Jr. nails it, and it's a very difficult song to perform because there is a lot of information to like get about his history, his love life, and what he wants and what he believes in all together in there, and they do it so succinctly. Hats off to Lin-Manuel and half off, hats off to Leslie Odom for performing it so perfectly. Yeah, no, a great song. We negotiate the terms of surrender. I see George Washington smile. We escort their men out of your town. They stagger home single file. Tens of thousands of people flood the streets. There are screams and church bells ringing. And as our fallen foes retreat, I hear the drinking song they're singing. The world turned upside down. Let's talk about Yorktown, um, the end of the war, so to say. This is where they've won. Honestly, it felt a little anticlimactic. I think the choreography is great, and just the way it sounds, it is the most musical theatery song. Like, it's got the rap, but it feels like when it gets the choral of the world turned upside down, I just cannot not get chills. Am I the only person who thinks that they should have won the war and had that be the act one? Closer. Yes, but that's not that's important for America, but not important for Hamilton. If that, if Hamilton it Burr definitely is important for Hamilton, though, because that was his entire goal starting the show. It is, but also an Act One closer has to leave you excited for what's to come next. Yeah, and can we talk about the Act One closer? Because it definitely doesn't. I disagree. Okay, I here, hate the here Act we One go. closer. I think it's boring, and I was I was like, wait, Act One is that was that was the closer. I was like, where, uh, where's the big number? There's nothing. Let's talk about nonstop, which is literally just one day more from Les Mis. So I'm very confused. Like all the themes coming back to, to one building up to Alexander running maybe, away from it all. Maybe it's just because it's all, it's all like hip hop themes. So I didn't really feel like the big orchestration like with one day more. Um, I because I, I it really felt small to me. It was like, wait, that was that was it. So like, there's a lot of information <laughs> that they got to get across. Like, Alexander Hamilton, after the war ends, he, he and Burr both become lawyers, and through that, he rises to the top and writes these very important letters, um, the Federalist Papers, yep. where he wrote most of them. Like, all that information needs to come out, and how he is the biggest defender of this new constitution, and, like, once again, cementing they a, his... They do kind of a weird thing where they don't talk about the constitution, talk about the Federalist Papers. They do. Um, the Federalist Papers is defending the constitution. Yeah. Weird, though. I don't know. Well, because Hamilton didn't really write the Constitution. Yeah, and they didn't want to give Jefferson any credit for anything. 
<laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so they do all that. That's all very important in the relationship between Burr and Hamilton, where Burr just feels emasculated um, by everything Hamilton's doing, all building up to, like, whether or not Ham George Washington offering Hamilton the position of the Secretary of Treasury and Hamilton having to leave everything that he's built up, his wife, his family, and all that, uproot that and go on to the Act 2 where governing like instead of fighting a war he has to govern like that is where yeah. we leave that it's a good act two closer because we get to reveal all the themes. Yeah, act one closer. act one closer forgive me it's a good act one closer because we reprise all the themes like history has its eyes on you all of eliza's themes like just you wait which is basically every single theme from act one every yeah. major theme comes back here and it ends with alexander hamilton not throwing away his shot to be a part of the government's development yeah but it just feels very small. I disagree. I disagree. And that might just be the way it is when it's filmed. But when you see it live, it feels big and important. I just wanted, like, swelling orchestrations. Like, Wait For It felt like a big song. And this didn't feel like it. The ending of it feels enormous. Like, Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton, just you wait. Like, all that. I disagree. Fine. There's a letter on my desk from the president. Haven't even put my bag down yet, Sally BLM, darling, won't you open it? It says the president's assembling a cabinet, and then I am to be the secretary of state. Great, man, I'm already standing approved. I just got home, and now I'm headed up to New York. Headed to New York, headed to New York. Looking at the rolling fields, I can't believe that we are free. Ready to face whatever's awaiting me. Waiting for me when I step in the place. My friend James Madison, red in the face. He grabs my. Miss? The best song in the show. That's what you Because <laughs> if you were going to the bathroom when Act 2 started, you missed the best song in the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's kind of a joke, though. Literally, Lin Manuel made a joke out of the Act 2 opener with What Did I Miss? Which is what you ask when you sit down because you were in the bathroom too long. Yep. And I think it's hilarious. It is hilarious. And this whole song is hilarious. And the dance specifically I'm is wonderful. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that Jefferson doesn't just perform this musical style the entire time. But Yeah, he kind of <laughs> just goes into normal hip-hop later on. He doesn't stay consistently with it. Yeah, which I would have enjoyed. Especially with how bouncy he is during the song and how much he like dances around. It's fucking great. <laughs> you see a little bit of that in the Navigami president now. Yeah, you do see a little bit. but Which is not, great, too. It's not as much as this one. Can we just get a Jefferson like a Jefferson. God, bring David Diggs back. Dude. As yes, I, 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 don't, I support this. Like I don't even care. Let's make a Jefferson show where we just talk about how shitty Jefferson is, but he just bounces around and dances. And ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I would. I would watch the shit out. Of I hit the letter and I raced to a place. Screamed, I'll cut you in the face. She said, No, sir. Dressed apologetic, a mess. She looked pathetic. She cried. Can we talk about my second favorite song in the show? Sure. And my first and second favorite songs are right next to each other. Sure, sure. So my second favorite is Say No to This. 
which is absolutely jaw-droppingly incredible as a story number. As a story yeah. number that's so complete and very different in tone and musical style from every other song in the show because it's very Marvin Gaye sexy, but it's also dark and entrapping. And, and the, just the fact that it's all about this character of Mariah Reynolds barging into Hamilton's life and uprooting it through his own, like, dick holster, so to say. It's incredible, yep. and it sets up the entire catalyst for the second act, and you never really have to come back to it. You, you come back to it just a bit, but it happens, and we move on, and we're not going to talk about that until it becomes important. And it's yeah. so beautifully, beautifully. I think it's, it's a very good song. Um, I agree. What do you think about the do. staging? Staging? It, it was easy to follow, at the very least. Might have had to do with how they were shooting it. Right. So I understood what was happening. <laughs> Which is better than you can say sometimes. With these shows. <laughs> just one point in this show just always, like, gets the hair on the back of my neck going standing up. It's when he's like, I don't want you. And then she's like, if you pay, you can stay. And she gets, like, that insane high note while screaming stay. It's absolutely incredible meanwhile Madison is grappling with the fact that not every issue can be settled by committee meanwhile Congress is fighting over where to put the capital <laughs> it isn't pretty then Jefferson approaches with the dinner and invite and Madison responds with Virginian insight maybe we can solve one problem with another and win a victory for the southerners in other words oh, oh. a quid pro quo I suppose wouldn't you like to work a little closer to home actually I would well, well, I propose the Potomac. And you'll provide him his vote. Well, we'll see how it goes. Let's go. No. What else was in the room where it happened? else has in the room where it happened yeah. and then comes so, my favorite song in the show the room where it happens this song is perfection yes all right you go you go, go ahead. this is basically lin-manuel's someone in a tree from pacific overtures where yeah. you have to take this relatively boring event where the the virginians get the state capital but hamilton gets like all of his banking and treasury needs like in a small room debate and in another musical theater person's hand, it might have just been a talk between them. But instead, they frame it as a story point for Aaron Burr, which no one would ever consider, like, that event being a catalyst for Burr. But him seeing that, oh, everything's happening here, and I can't be involved, and no one's telling me these things, I have to be more involved in politics if I ever want to be in the room. And it's set up earlier when he meets with Jefferson, and or when Aaron Burr meets with George Washington and comes with his ideas and Hamilton comes in and Jeff jo George Washington just kicks him out of the room. Yeah. Once again, being thrown out the room where it happens. Like every time there's something going on, Aaron Burr's not allowed to be in. And this is where it finally comes to a head where he's like, I want to do this. I I'm committing to this so much that I'm going to ruin friendships to get it. Yeah. It's a good song. <laughs> sure. And I like, it is interesting because any other show probably would have just been like, well, this is from Hamilton's perspective and him doing his thing. Mm -hmm. But instead, the, the choice to have it be from an outsider perspective is definitely interesting. And it and also acts as kind of a mystery for Burr to unsolve from the start. It's like, how did we get from there to there? Why would you sell New York City down the river, Hamilton? Why would you do this? It makes no sense. And Hamilton's like, no, I got more than I 
than I gave. They gave. I got more out of this than they did. And he's like, oh shit, you, you, you played me and all the rest of New Yorkers when you were playing, you were four steps ahead of all of us, including the people you were against. Like, that as a narrative choice. It's another story song that also leads into a villain song. It's jaw-dropping. I'm erasing myself from the narrative. Let future historians wonder how Eliza reacted when you broke her heart. You have torn it all apart, I'm watching it burn. Watching it burn. The world has no right to my heart. The world has no place in our bed. The last one I really, really want to talk about is Burn, um, Eliza's Why Did You Fuck Another Woman song. Yeah, this is where she just burns all the letters. Yes. Um, just, the uh, context for the history is a little different, but it happened. It's it's uh, interesting. Uh, I guess she's making a stand. I, I don't really know. She's erasing herself from the narrative. Is that something that's empowering to do? I feel like it's not. I mean, it's kind of like... <laughs> The anti-Hillary stance was like, I'm not going to stand by you. I'm not going to defend you. I'm not going to give you anything that might help defend you. Fuck you. Figure this out yourself. You did this. Would it be better to keep yourself in the narrative and then also write stuff about how bad he is? I feel like that wasn't her goal either because that's still the father of her children and it's not like she can really leave the marriage because, you know, the 1800s suck. Yeah. Well, it's a shame. We'll never get to know all the scat fetish stuff that he wrote about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Reynolds pamphlet was basically a penthouse letter that he sent out to everyone. Like, you know, I didn't steal government funds, but let me tell you what I did do. Let me tell you what dark, I did do. Mm. Mm. It was a dark and stormy night. And then, I'm too hot. Hot damn. Hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just wrote Uptown Funk <laughs> as the Reynolds pamphlet. That's it. And then she, but and what then, do you think about Burn? Because it is, like, the most musical theatery musical theater song in this. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm, I I don't know. I wasn't, uh, it's, I wasn't, like, so blown away that I was like, man, what I miss, but, <laughs> you know, it was pretty Emotionally, good. you don't see, like, songs like this, like, not even a breakup song. It's like, I, I, I don't want to deal with you anymore song. Yeah, which, I mean, it's understandable after the garbage at least she gets a song after after what he did you know well the at least it's is, not entirely framed from his perspective <laughs> yes but the thing about this show is alexander hamilton everything in this show is about him even when it's, he's not on stage it's about him right sort of yeah and everyone else like even when they're talking shit they're always like alexander hamilton like that is what they sing like that is his theme and the entire show is revolved around his name and specifically the melody that goes along with his name and everything that represents, right? Yeah. 
it's super important that in this song that really is like, I don't want to have anything to do with you, she never says his name. He is this nameless you, 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 get the fuck out of here. I'm not giving you even the dignity of hearing your own name back to you. True. But he's not there, so he wouldn't hear it anyways, but... I mean, yes, but that's kind of the point. It's not like, my Alexander betrayed me. It's like, you, this motherfucker right here. Mm, I'm burning all the letters with the scat pornography. <laughs> <laughs> all the letters that might have redeemed you. Your furry, your fursona. <laughs> all the letters, like the secret letters were like, I'm a fox and you're my tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and if I open this compartment, are you a crinkler? <laughs> if you're a furry, okay. we love you anyway. You're great. There is a, there is like famous, well not famous, like there's letters from Mozart to like one of his like cousins where he just talks about her like shitting the bed. <laughs> that feels in, in in keeping with what I know about Mozart. Yeah, and I just feel like, what if that's what was in these letters? <laughs> <laughs> Did you shit the bed tonight, Eliza? Ooh. Love your Hamilton. Yeah, like honestly. <laughs> Was it wet diarrhea or hard fibery turds? Oh god. No, I like this song though, and I, I like that she gets uh she gets a part she gets a part of the narrative, ironically, when she's telling everyone that she's erasing herself from it, but <laughs> yes, but originally, let me talk about a previous version of this. She didn't have this song, like, originally. Originally, um, you know where Angelica comes in and she's like, I'm not here for you, that little part? Yeah. She had a whole number there called Congratulations, which is a fun rap number where she's like, you have invented a new kind of stupid, a damage you can not, never undo kind of stupid, uh, release all the animals from the zoo kind of stupid, and then it goes into like- You cheated on my sister and it wasn't with me? <laughs> it's basically that. It's basically that. Um, and basically they go from that into Blow Us All Away, where Eliza doesn't have anything she gets to say there. Yeah. And it was bad. It was very bad. Yeah. Well, it's a good it's a good thing that they changed it. That's why it's good to change things. Sometimes. There is one line from a previous version of Burn that Lin-Manuel Miranda released called First Burn um, that I think is very important and I wish they had kept in. What is it? Um, here is the line. Um, Your enemies whisper, so you have to scream. I know about whispers. I see the way you look at my sister. <laughs> I think that line should have stayed in. I think that line is like the perfect like cut of like I, I I'm not an idiot, you f I'm not an idiot. I know you wanna fuck my dad. <laughs> and my sister. <laughs> you want a Skylar Five Way. Ooh. Now that's what I'm talking about. Skylar Five Way? I mean In my hometown, baby. It's not my hometown, I'm not from here. <laughs> okay. Andrew. Yep. Which Skylar sister are you? Uh Peggy. You can't be Peggy, I'm Peggy. Fuck you. Which Skylar sister do you think I am? Uh, you're Angelica, because you'd never get it. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get to marry the man that would probably cheat on me? Instead, I married a rich man? Yeah. Instead, you married a rich man. Who else it's weird is. that they got buried near each other, like Angelica and Alexander. It's weird that they mentioned that in the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's talk.
talk about the finale, the who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Which um, is basically the children will listen method, message of the story. So what did we learn, Jess? Um, no, you have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. True. But, I mean, all of the people in this story have have had their stories told in a pretty positive light, so... But no one really told Alexander Hamilton's story before this in any, like, substantial way. I mean, his... Media, at least. His face is on the $10 bill. It has... They was about to be taken off, and then they undid did that. Yeah, but even, <clears throat> even there, his face has been on other bills in the past, too, so... Right. It's like, you know, he kind of created banking, in a way, in America. <laughs> Obviously yes, not yes. in the past. He invented the first bank all by himself. All by myself. But what do you think of, like, the Eliza puts herself back in the narrative side of this? I mean, I guess now she's okay with it because he's dead. So it's like, I guess I'm well, okay. Previously, she did kind of, like, take him back, so to say. <sighs> yeah. How much of that was just pressure from society, though? Oh, 100%. And her kids. They had a lot of kids together. Yeah. I don't know. He didn't deserve her. He did not deserve her. In reality or in the show. Eliza deserves a much nicer guy. Yeah. A guy who could afford more slaves for her. Because let's not forget that the women owned the slaves too. Eliza definitely had slaves. Hamilton bought them for her. Can we not pretend that slavery is a men only thing? (laughs) Jess is taking a long sip of tea. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Look, if this Women show wants, j- if this show wants to bring up slavery all the time, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Andrew, you make a fair point. <laughs> but what do you think Eliza's gasp at the end of the show means? Cuz there's now debate about that. Um, well, when I watched it, I was watching with my girlfriend and the gasp happened and she had already seen the show. So I was like, what? And then she was like, (laughs) yeah, it's up for interpretation. And I was like, what? (laughs) Has anyone told you what the interpretations are? Uh, I think her interpretation was she died. No, that's a bad interpretation. I, I know people and I people I respect that believe that, but I think that's incorrect and just altogether wrong. Okay, Yeah, yeah. So what, what is it? Um, here's what the director said originally is pretty concrete of what it meant. And he's later gone back on it and said, like, with each actress, it means something different. And now I'm like, no, the bullshit. Authorial intent, I'm going with the first choice. So what is it? Um, so the song's all about how, she, like, the last line is like, when I live my life, will they tell your story? You know, like, that entire yeah. song is about her telling Ham- Hamilton's story. Um, literally, that is her seeing the audience full of people there hearing her story hearing about Hamilton's story and just being overwhelmed by that. Cool. Uh, and some people say that it's not Hamilton that leads her out because he does kind of lead her by the hand out there to the middle stage. Um, and some people say that's literally Lin-Manuel Miranda doing so, but that doesn't work in a show where you have different actors it, there every time. So I, I like my original opinion. All right. I think um, I think that it's just something to confuse the audience. To make them tell your out. girlfriend she's wrong and she should feel bad. I'm gonna tell her she's right and she should still feel bad. Tell her you're breaking up. You're erasing yourself from her narrative. I'm erasing myself from the narrative. <laughs> I'm erasing. I, I'm burning all of my furry letters. <laughs> I dare you to text her that right now and see what she says. Um, 
Well, she'd probably just be like, what's a furry? <laughs> uh, no, just say I'm erasing myself from the narrative. Wait for the three dots to show that she's texting back, and she, you say I'm burning all my furry letters. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> oh, you're fucking lame. But do you know who's definitely not lame? Alexander Hamilton? I mean, he has a whole thing about him. You know what? You're right. Andrew, what is your overall thoughts on Hamilton and your cheese rating? Oh, boy. So overall thoughts, I think it's pretty good. Overall, very solid, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it already. Uh, even just to see what the hype is about. Um, but my other thought is, what the hell is the hype about? It's a little bit overhyped, don't you think, fellas? Not really. How does it great. compare to the other shows that you've seen? The other hundred shows, so to say, that you've seen? Um, it's in the upper echelon, but it's not in the top two. But we'll save that for another day. Maybe we yeah. Maybe we do our hundred first episode and we just talk about. I feel like it's, I feel like it's time for something. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe. We got a lot of Patreon requests, we got a lot of people that want to come back to guest. That's true. We got a lot to do. We we do have a lot more on our plate than we did in episode 50, I will admit. There's a lot going on, and I'm working at a bank now. Thanks, Hamilton. You fucker. You motherfucker. I have to see your fucking stupid smug face on that he does look goddamn really smug on that dollar. $10 motherfucking bill every goddamn fucking day. You bitch you know who Sit i like down, seeing? alex you fat motherfucker you know who i like seeing i like seeing jefferson because he's on the two dollar bill and i don't have to see one of those every day but when i get to see one of those i'm like ooh, nice two dollar bill baby Ooh. <laughs> all right um okay. and your cheese rating <laughs> <laughs> no hamilton is great though if you haven't watched it don't don't listen to it don't why did you listen to our whole show go watch it what the fuck are you doing you just listened to, like, an hour and a half of us talking about it when you could have just watched the show? The fuck is wrong with you, you stupid idiot? <laughs> hundred episodes, guys! hundred episodes you. of this garbage. I can't even <laughs> believe you fucking good people. Uh, I mean, not to be lame, but it gets American cheese. <laughs> like, what else do I give this? <laughs> That's fair. Um, yeah, Hamilton is good. It's it's a really good um, show. Uh, it, there's not much left to say about Hamilton, which is the reason why we haven't done this before now. Because I feel like the, everyone has said their piece on Hamilton. Even people that don't give a shit about musicals have said their piece on Hamilton. It has now entered the mainstream that it is just Disney more than it is an actual Broadway piece. It's so mainstream that they cut the F words and out of it. They can't even that? say fuck. It's so yeah. mainstream they cut the fucks out of it. Yeah, all the fucks. They gave no fucks. There Literally, were fucks in the Broadway show. Hamilton no longer gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm off the Hamilton train. I'm real deep into the Hadestown train, so maybe if you want to impress me, or at least approach out of Hadestown. Hadestown! On the road to hell, there's a railroad line! <laughs> I'm I'm totally in with that, uh, but no, I mean this is good, and I think it's cool that it's mainstream. Uh, maybe we get some more mainstream musicals, or maybe maybe people just really like hip hop. <laughs> yeah, um, I hope that this is a sign of especially how well this is done on Disney Plus and like the subscription upticks and all that. I hope mm -hmm. this will show that Broadway pro shots are a profitable form because that's basically what our show is about: is the layman people that can get to see Broadway theater uh, and just theater in general. Um, 
like my dad watched through all of Hamilton and he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have gone to a fucking theater to go do this. No. Yeah. And uh especially with Broadway being closed like uh how forever these... probably. Yeah, and literally for the rest of time, this is the only way these shows are going to still exist. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like imagine if we had a version of Great Comet that was shot as well as this. Oh. And I don't even think that this pro shot is shot particularly well. Like, compared to the Love Never Dies pro shot, this is like, eh? Yeah, but I mean, this is still better than the Love Never Dies pro shot, because it's not, it's not a shot of Love Never Dies. I agree, but just, that was <laughs> shot like it was a film, and this was shot like idiots on a stage. It's still pretty Four good. Four cameras. It still it's doesn't look okay. bad. okay. It doesn't look terrible now. I think that Kinky Boots is a little better, even. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, I'd still rather watch this than that, but whatever you get you get the point so my cheese rating is queso media luna which is uh puerto rican caribbean cheese oh yeah we never talked about the fact that they constantly bring up that hamilton is an immigrant because let's insert modern politics into this uh <laughs> i mean also it's kind of important that he was the only founding father not born on american soil it's worth bringing up actually none of the founding did. fathers were born on american soil because it was all part of britain <laughs> he wasn't born on soil that would become america he was though because puerto rico is currently part of america we just need to give it statehood god damn it yeah we really do though <laughs> what do we just like 50 do we think that's just a good round number i think that's actually what it is because that's there's a reason dc is in a state as well 52 America's baby stupid. 52 52 i'm in let's just break up the michigan peninsulas too North Michigan, Southern Michigan. We got a North Dakota and South Dakota. It's like a dog jumping over a cactus. <laughs> All right, thank you guys for listening. We would like to thank our wonderful patrons for giving us all the love and support for over 100 episodes. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, at Musicals with Cheese. Go send us some love over there. Our Twitter is at Cheesy Musicals. Our Patreon is Musicals with Cheese. Our Instagram is Musicals with Cheese. Our YouTube page is Musicals with Cheese. Um, we're gonna have a patron-only podcast. Um, we we currently put the Glee one down. Um, we shot it like Lassie because there's <laughs> too too much going on with the Glee cast, and it felt wrong to kind of snark on it right now. And it got a little we're desecrating the poor graves of Glee. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're gonna do something brand new there, and it's gonna be exciting. I'm excited for it. Glee is literally a cursed show. It's it's yeah. cursed. And I feel like the more involved we get with Glee, the more likely we are to, like, die somehow. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> um, our title card is created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Go send her some love at Jolene Casco. Andrew, is there anything else you want to say on our 100th episode of Musicals with Cheese? 100 episodes, baby! 100 more to go! See you in the next 100! Yeah! We're, <laughs> we're not coming back till 200. We're not coming we're, back. We're, we're not coming back. This is nope, the final nope. episode. Goodbye. We have to go on a on an unplanned vacation. Bye. Our home planet needs us. Our home planet needs us. Just kidding. We'll see you next week on Musicals <laughs> with Cheese. <laughs> Bum. Is this where we we uh, arbitrarily call this season two and then write fuck? A new should we? <laughs> Just like, oh yeah, now it's suddenly season two. Let's go. <laughs>
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.